The first reading is taken from Romans 3, 19 to 24. And can be found on page 100, 1130. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the, through the law, you become conscious of sin. But now, a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came back in Christ Jesus. The second reading is taken from Mark 10, 35 to 45, and we found on page 1014. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I have baptized with you. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant of James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over over them, and that high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. Here ends the reading. morning everyone would you join me in a short prayer before I begin. Father help us see more clearly today the full significance of what Jesus achieved for each and every one of us on the cross. Amen. We're continuing our Lent series entitled Cross Purposes which is particularly appropriate to our reading from Mark in which James and John ask Jesus to grant them both places of honour, to sit at his right and at his left in heaven. Um, From Matthew's Gospel, we learn that their mother was the prime mover behind this request, uh, doing what mums down the ages have done for their children, wanting the very best for them. And as we recall the baptism last week of the very well-behaved little Reese. Uh, we can readily appreciate how precious life is and how it's only natural for a mother in particular to want the best 
for her children. But what is best? Isaiah 55, 8 tells us, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Jesus' first and quite gentle reaction, really, to his two disciples' request is, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptised with the baptism I am baptised with? We can, answer James and John, still keen for those places of honour in heaven. You will indeed, predicts Jesus, but then goes on to say effectively, but the places of highest honour are not mine to give, having already been reserved. So already, Jesus hints that his path, which will lead to greatness, is not easy. And indeed, it will involve pain and humiliation. Now the other disciples hear what's going on and begin to get indignant. The Greek word actually is incensed. Human nature doesn't change very much, does it? People still feel wronged by the success, or in this case the attempted success of others. So Jesus calls time out and enlightens them all. You know, he says, that those who are regarded as rulers over the Gentiles, and this is interesting, that phrase, there's a sermon in that itself, who are regarded, literally in Greek, thinking to rule the nations. Those who think they're rulers, lord it over them. He says. Now, if this isn't bang on target and bang up to date with Brexit and, you know, all the other rulers around the world that you see, I don't know what is. You know, people who say the Bible's, you know, 2,000 years old, it doesn't apply. This is it. Those who think that they rule the nations lord it over their people. And Jesus goes on, not so among you. We are not to do that. Whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant. And he follows on, he hammers it home. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So he turns the world's idea of greatness upside down. The truly great man or woman bears lesser folk on their back without any thought of reward or recognition. Oh, that leaders today would grasp and embrace that concept. And likewise, those who think they're important or successful, what a transformation in our society there would be. Instead, egos are often fed by doing down others whom they regard as inferior, keeping them in their place, like Downton Abbey, you know, upstairs, downstairs, class, money, power, being the arbiters of social status. 
instead of blowing their own trumpet, or even, dare I say it, thinking superior thoughts, we should all realise the truth of what Paul explains in our second reading from Romans 3, where he's contrasting the Jewish law with faith. The law, he says, exists to show everyone that they're sinners, i.e. that they've broken the law, because no one can possibly comply fully with the law, so that works ultimately won't save your soul. You can't work yourself into heaven. And this is the link with those who feel, who think that they're important, wealthy or powerful through their own efforts, skill or family. And rather than revel in that or brag, Paul says the law speaks in order that every mouth may be silent before God. And as I was preparing this, that that phrase just leapt out of the page at me. To realise that that when we are in God's presence, the proper attitude is actually silence. In his court, we can say nothing in our defence to promote what we've done or even offer an excuse. Because whatever we say will be useless. When, as Paul goes on in the second half of verse 19, the whole world will become accountable to God. There will be judgment, and rather than emulate a court scene from The Good Wife or L.A. Law, or even a partner's meeting where they're all shouting at each other, the accused, which is all of us, will have nothing to say There will be silence in court as we gaze upon the judge in wonder and awe. So where does this leave us? Guilty and under sentence of death. It would do, were it not for verse 21, where he goes on to say, For the righteousness of God, apart from the law, that has now been manifested through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And then verse 23, that famous truth. There is no difference. Again, we're all the same. We've all got it wrong. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all in the court of God face the death penalty because of our actions we all deserve it condemned we await in silence for the pronouncement of sentence then believers will be amazed and overjoyed relieved to hear the words not guilty not guilty But we know we're guilty, not guilty, and join our Saviour in eternal life. Nothing we have done could ever earn that pardon, only our faith in what Christ did for us on the cross. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. So justified, the language of the law court, where even though we're all guilty, we're pronounced not guilty. And redeemed uh, is an expression from the slave market when the price is paid, the full price is paid uh, to obtain freedom for a particular slave. Now we might be tempted to think that because something's free, it's of little or no value. But the direct opposite is the case with Christ, whom God the Father gave as an atonement for our sins. A friend of mine, uh, Jeff Shattuck, uh, had a vision about 20 years ago of what Jesus did for us on the cross as his work, as Jesus' work, the culmination of his earthly ministry. And he's written about it under the title Work Talk, uh, which I recommend to you. You can just Google it. It's all one word, Work Talk, with a capital T in the middle. And he deals with each of the seven sayings of Jesus on the cross and gives a powerful insight into Christ's sacrifice as his work. And Jeff has also uh, written about it in a book called Jesus and the Racing Rat. And it's transformed the way uh, I approach uh, my own job um, and encouraged me to keep persevering uh, when the going gets tough, which it seems to do quite regularly these days. And I realise, though, how unimportant uh, my own struggles are compared to the great work that Jesus did on the cross, which was the hardest job in the most unjust, frustrating and cruel circumstances imaginable. It was so costly. We should hold it precious, as precious as the life of her newborn baby is to any mother, and recognize that Jesus completed his cosmic task on the cross because every single one of us, young and old, is beloved of God to the extent that he gave his innocent son to die in shame for us guilty ones. And if we have a a living, true faith in Christ, we will have eternal life. And while we may not get the seats of honour in heaven, uh, we will rejoice there because Jesus did his job. He did his work. And may I encourage all of us to do ours, which is to live out our faith in love and joy, uh, whatever our circumstances. I thought um, it might be an additional um, encouragement um, as I was preparing this to to just mention this. Um, This is, because we're talking about the cross, um, this is a little cross that um, the chaplain of the hospital uh, gave to mum. Uh, ten days or so before she died and um, she would hold this because um, when you're in that stage um, when your faculties are packing up basically um, touch 
is one of the last things to, to go. So <clears throat> she would hold this and it would give her real comfort as I read to her uh, psalms, actually. Um, but I thought it would be useful uh, for us because sometimes, I mean, it's easy, isn't it, to say about faith, you know, you've got to have faith and whatever happens, um, you've just got to hang on. But um, this, I think, is, is a useful reminder. It's on my desk at home. And sometimes when I've been going through difficult times, all you can do is just hang on, isn't it, to the cross. That's it. can't do anything else. You do the best you can, and you hold on. So, I didn't mean this to be <laughs> sad, but I meant it to be an encouragement. Just hold on, basically. Keep going. Roll with the punches. <laughs> Amen.